Hello again, Cornerstone. Um, we're going to take this time to pray corporately together once again. And so please uh, pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the privilege of worshiping you here in this place, wherever we are, Lord. We thank you for your sustained love and mercy upon us and our church. Lord, as we enter into the sixth month of being apart from one another and worshiping apart from one another, Lord, we pray that you would help us trust in you and your promises each and every day. May we continue to connect with one another the way we have been and, and encourage one another, Lord, with the truth of the gospel. Help us to continue in this way. And Lord, we just pray that our world and our country can overcome this pandemic together, that we can overcome the political strife in our country as well, the, the racial injustice, Lord. But we also know that all of this is ultimately in your hands. And we come to you, Lord, asking that you will help us overcome, that you would use us for that purpose as well. And Lord, we also pray that your word and your truth can continue to spread all in your name all over the world, Lord. And we pray for the opportunity that we will have this upcoming Saturday to share the love of Christ in North Jersey where we will be handing out masks and trying to engage with people, Lord. Uh, we pray that you will um, bless us and use us to proclaim Christ and the truth of his love for us. And Lord, we also pray for our missionaries, Lord, that we support. And today we especially pray for Gabby and Yunhai, who are uh, serving the international Chinese students uh, in the UK. And we pray that uh, during these uncertain times that you would continue to help them find ways to, uh, to proclaim the truth of Christ and to make disciples of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that we continue to be the church during these times, that we can actively live out our faith as one body, as the church, as CCCS. May we be led by your word and your spirit in all that we do, Lord. So, Lord, help us in these things, and we bring all things, all these things up to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Iris, and I will be doing the Bible verse reading for today, which will be Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 22. If you'd like to follow along, you can follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. 
God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward, and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you, Cornerstone, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The song that you were just listening to is called Turn, Turn, Turn by the group called The Birds. It's an old song, and it was, it, well, it was released in 1965 and became The Birds' second greatest single hit in the United States. Um, the song's lyrical message of peace and tolerance uh, that the, the group implied through the words that they used, which is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 2 through 8, uh, is it struck a nerve with the American public at that time because the Vietnam War was escalating at that moment. So the words of Ecclesiastes we see are relevant for all people at all time because it is the word of God, truth. And this message is all that everything's vanity, as we've heard, a chasing after the wind if we live without humility before God. And when we do live this way, without humility before God, then everything we strive for on earth is a chasing after the wind, meaning that it cannot provide meaning in and of itself, whatever we're striving for. It's heaven. It's a vapor. It's um, a mist, a chasing after the wind. Like we can never catch the wind. We can never find the meaning we're striving for in these things because only God alone gives us meaning and purpose in life. Nothing else can. This is the message of Ecclesiastes that we'll be hitting on again today. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3 begins with a statement of truth. And then this poem that we heard read for us earlier 
that describes this statement of truth. Uh, verse 1 begins with the statement, saying, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. If we could simply accept this truth, the peace of God would fill and rule our hearts and our minds, and just it would be an amazing transformation for us in the everyday stuff of life. And because the truth is there is a season and a time for everything under the oversight of God's watchful eyes. The Apostle Paul points to this truth in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, saying, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. There is a time for everything under God's watchful eyes. Do you believe this? Do you believe that everything that has happened in your life and everything that will happen in your life is according to God's overall purpose and plan? Do you believe that? We will probably never fully understand or be able to grasp the specifics of how things in our lives fit in God's perfect plan for eternity. We probably will never understand that. Or we only can understand maybe in part or a piece of that. But the point here is do we trust that there is a time for everything that happens in our lives and in this reality according to God's purpose and plan. Do we believe that? It's when we accept this truth fully, then we live in humility before the Lord God. Horatio Spafford is an example of a man who lived in humility before God. He wrote a hymn that expressed this vividly. Uh, the hymn is titled, It Is Well with my soul. Maybe some of you are familiar with this hymn. The hymn was written after traumatic events in Spafford's life. The first event was the death of his four-year-old son. And then, after that, there was the Great Chicago Fire in 1871, which ruined him financially. He had been a successful lawyer and had invested significantly in property in the Chicago area. And that was, that property was extensively damaged by the Great Fire. His business interests then were further hit by the economic downturn in 1873, at which time he had planned to travel to Europe with his family. So in a late change of plans, he sent his family on ahead to Europe while he stayed behind in Chicago to deal with zoning issues of business, uh, issues about zoning that had changed because of the Great Chicago Fire. And so while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship with his family sank rapidly after colliding with another sea vessel, and all four of Spafford's daughters died. Now his wife, Anna, survived and sent him this Telegram is very short. It just said, saved alone. And shortly afterwards, as Spafford then sailed the Atlantic to 
meet his grieving wife in Europe, uh, he was inspired to write these words of this hymn as his ship passed near the spot where his daughters had died. And Spafford wrote these words, I quote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pain shall be mine. For in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so. It is well with my soul. There is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, under God's watchful eyes. Spafford's humility before God, after having lost all five of his, the four daughters and his son earlier, and then financial ruin, his humility before God at this time in his life is so inspiring. God's goodness and ultimate plan of salvation provided peace in the heart of Spafford's life and meaning to his life at this time of trauma, great trauma. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9. The preacher there then asks this question after this stating this statement of truth and giving this descriptive, descriptive poem of this truth. He comes back to the question that he stated at the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes. The question that he is seeking the answer for. He says, what gain has the worker from his toil? The preacher approaches the answer to this question from different angles in Ecclesiastes. Last Sunday, Pastor Paul showed us from chapter 2 that because of death, our possessions, our wisdom, our work, it's all vanity. It's all a chasing after the wind. It's hevel. Death is the great equalizer for all who live on earth. And so now we see in chapter 3, the preacher approaches this the answer to this question from the angle of time. And notice the first line of this poem, which describes that there is a time for everything. The poem starts saying, a time to be born and a time to die. Now that's a pretty quick summary of life in general. And it's true that when we think of time, our minds are drawn to the end of our days, the time when our time ends. And this poem is very descriptive of the details of life 
and all the matters that will happen and occur in our experience of life. For example, when I read verse 5, saying a time, of, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, <clears throat> I immediately thought of now, during this pandemic, because those of you who know me, uh, I am one who likes to embrace people that I know when I greet them. Or when I'm saying goodbye, I like to embrace as a, a goodbye. But during this pandemic, I have seen it as a time to refrain from embracing. There is an appointed time for everything under heaven, meaning everything, a time for everything under God's watchful eyes. Everything that happens, happens at a time that God chooses or arranged for or anticipates. Just as Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Why did Jesus come when He did? Well, because God chose that time for Him to come. God, because everything that happens in our lives is according to God's timing. Everything. If you let that truth sink in, this is the truth that is being presented here in Ecclesiastes. Everything, every little detail of your life happens according to God's timing. So how does this truth answer the question, what gain has the worker from his toil? Right? Well, the preacher has already shown up to this point in Ecclesiastes that we can't gain meaning from our, for our life from our toil on earth, our work that we do. And this means that no matter how hard we work, or how honest we strive to be, or how much we save, or how much success we uh, gain through the work that we do, the promotions and the acknowledgement that we are doing well, the promotions that we get and we go higher and higher, we won't find meaning in any of these things in and of themselves. It's meaningless. These cannot give us meaning. Even though we strive hard after it, we will never grasp it. Because in the end, we will lose them. They will either be taken away from us, out of our control, or we will die. And we can't take any of the stuff that we achieve or gain with us. It's, it's Hevel, right? It's, uh, we can't grasp a hold of it. The answer the preacher offers here to this question in chapter 3 isn't what is gained from a person's toil, but rather that time itself is God's gift. Every moment is a gift from God, so enjoy it. We see this in verses 12 and 13 and also in verse 22 of chapter 3. They say, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So I saw, this is verse 22 now, so I saw that there is nothing better <clears throat> then a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. The older we become, the more aware we are of the passage of time and how time is a gift rather than a resource that we think we can use or manipulate or manage for our own purposes. We fool ourselves into thinking that we 
just need to be better managers of our time. But time in reality is out of our control. That's God's gift to us. Instead, what we really need is self-control, not better time management. It's better self-management in that sense. And self-control is not achieved by working harder at it. No, it's not a self-help uh, issue. But rather, it is an issue of our surrender to the Lord Jesus as Savior and Redeemer of ourselves and of the world. Because when we do that, when we surrender to Him as Lord, and He takes lead of our lives, His Spirit then indwells us and manifests Himself within us. And a fruit of His Spirit dwelling within us is self-control. As Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Time is God's gift to you and me. This truth frees us to have joy and experience the joy that God, in God's gift in every single moment of our day, of our life. No matter how difficult they are or how tragic they are, we can still experience God's joy in our hearts. Horatio Spafford experienced the joy in the Lord Jesus in the midst of his great deep grief for the loss of his children. Seeing time as a gift, it transforms our perception of life. When I think of my father's death uh, in 1986, I was only 20 years old. But from this perspective, seeing time as a gift, I am so grateful for those 20 years that I had with my father. They were God's gift to me because my father was a good father. I mean, he had his issues, but overall, those were years of gifted, uh, gift to me. He was a great encouragement to me and my two brothers and my sister and my mom. But on the other hand, if I, I could flip it and have a different perspective, that I could see my father's death as instead being robbed of the 34 years since his death that I could have had with my father. You know? And if I thought this way, then I would become bitter and angry at God because I was robbed of what I think I should have had, those 34 missing years with my father. And you see the focus and the perspective has changed from the gift that God has graciously provided us provided me and my siblings rather than what was robbed from me and what I think I should deserve. Time is a precious, time is precious because it is God's gift to us. And it's not precious because of the amount of money that we can make in the time that we have. And it's not precious because we have a limited amount of time on this, in this life, this side of eternity. No. When we lack humility before God, when we don't love God and love our neighbor for God's glory in the time that He has given us, then our lives are vanity, a chasing after the wind. There's a song that describes a life of chasing after the wind. 
and it's called Cats in the Cradle. It's another old song, but the message here is powerful. It was written by Harry and Sandy Chapin, a couple, and it's about a father and a son. Listen to the words of this song and the message of how it describes a life that is chasing after the wind. Just the other day, he came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, "I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you." And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy. Just like me
time is God's gift to us. And when we don't live in humility before God, we chase after the wind like this father was trying to do to provide for his son. And then when he wanted meaningful time with his son in the end, his son was chasing after the wind as well, for he's following his father's example. But when we see every day as a gift from God, then our hearts resonate as the psalmist. When in Psalms 118-24, the psalmist says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Is this our mindset and attitude? when we start the day. No matter how difficult the day is ahead, we can eat and drink and take pleasure in the work that God has for each of us each day because it is a gift. It's another day to live for Him in whatever we face. It is God's gift. We rejoice in God's gift to us for we trust in Him and the meaning that He provides us rather than the, we trusting in the meaning we're trying to create for ourselves and what we do. Everything has its time. This is the truth of chapter 3 that is presented to us. That means sickness and accidents and pain and storms and this coronavirus, uh, unemployment, wars, death. God's will is being done through each of these as much as the times that we more enjoy, like health and safety and strength and success and peace and a long life. God's will is done in those things too because there is a time for everything under God's watchful eyes. Time itself is God's gift. Every moment is a gift from God. So enjoy it. Let's pray. Lord, this truth is so profound and yet so simple. We miss it so often. I confess to you, I am so often thinking that the time that I have is for myself or to achieve or to take pleasure and meaning in accomplishing something so I feel better rather than seeing it as a gift from you and that Everything that we experience, whether it's being stuck in traffic or late to a meeting that we left early to get to, but now because of these circumstances, we can't. And we just get frustrated. But yet, Lord, to see that every moment is a gift from you and everything that happens is orchestrated or allowed by you for your purposes. Nothing makes sends you a curveball so that your will and purpose for earth on this earth will be thwarted? No. Your purposes continue through all generations. Lord, may we let this truth seep deeply in us so that we can live in humility before you every moment of every day. For this is what it means to be a follower of you, Lord Jesus, to trust in you and that you have control and your purpose is being done in our life and in the life and the course of this reality. Praise be to you, Almighty Father in heaven. We trust in you. We worship you. We live for you. 
And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.